are, you'll find four. So right now on the screen, we're going to throw up an image to help you see one, two, three, those are normal for every individual, and four if you are lucky. One, line one. If you look at the picture and you compare it to the one that you have on your hand, it spans from left to right. This is your heart line. It's supposed to describe your emotional stability. Your second line, number two, the one just underneath of that, that is your headline, supposed to describe the way you have your style of learning. Number three, last, the one that, you know, just in the cup of your, your thumb to your wrist, that is your lifeline. It reflects your physical health and your general well-being. So, for example, if you're looking at your palm and trying to understand what these lines are telling you, Google and others who believe in this sort of thing will say, if the line number one starts underneath your index finger and runs however long, but starts underneath your index finger, then you are content in your love life. Congratulations. If it starts below your middle finger, you're selfish when it comes to love. And then there's a slew of other things if you want to get into it. It will tell you about yourself, your heart, your head, and your general well-being. We can take that picture off the screen now. Thank you. I remember when I was in third grade, I learned this really cool game, four letters, MASH. Not sure if it's still played today, but definitely something I loved because I only chose the best options for myself. Telling my future, MASH was gonna tell me, so I chose the best places to live, I chose the best vacation spots, the best kinds of cars, and I only gave myself good options so that whatever got crossed off next, I was still only left with good things. There's a part at the end of the game when you're playing with your friend where you choose a number. And that is the number you use that identifies what things get marked off and what things stay. And so I learned very quickly that if I chose the number three, then M-A-S, the S of shoe or shack was crossed off immediately. Of which case, I would be happy with whatever other results I got that day because I didn't get the worst of it. And I was so excited to see what celebrity crush I would end up marrying on any given day. So after third grade and after fourth grade and that game got a little tired, I decide while I'm in junior high and while I am with my friends at a sleepover, we do as the girls do, which is very interesting because I didn't think I was one of those. And now as I sit here and reflect on my life and prepare for messages, I'm like, who was I? I didn't think that's what I did. But we sat there on Saturday nights way up hours in the morning, and we looked at magazines. And we said, that's the kind of makeup I want to try when I'm allowed. And that's the kind of outfit that I want to buy one day when I'm in control of what I wear. And that's what I want to do with this, and that's what I want to do with that. And of course, the last thing that we did before we had thoroughly gone through that magazine was to flip to one of the last few It pages 
and decide our fates through our horoscopes. I don't know if many of you have done this or not, or if you're just looking at me like, oh, you, <laughs> you, you, you. But this one night, I flipped to the back of Seventeen magazine, and what do you know it? It is the month of the Capricorn, and that's me. And so as we're reading through, of course, it tells me, you will find love in this month. You will find joy in this month. You will have a little bit of trouble on week three. But overall, this is for you. And at the end, there's a little bit qualification that I thought was fun the night that we were, we were looking at this. It said, this month, you will find love with a Taurus. And I was like, okay, sure, cool. That sounds good. Seventh, eighth grade, Kayla's like, whatever. Until that day, that night, that month for the Capricorn became that week in middle school, where my friends then went around to all of our classmates and were like, are you a Taurus? Are you a Taurus? Are you, 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 you? And for all the ones that they found, it was, maybe it's this one, or maybe it's that one. And I was like, oh, never again. Never again will I do that. But it's like sort of a rite of passage or just that fun thing that you, you do and you say, hmm, what does my fortune say? And all of a sudden when we get that little cookie, we look at the back and we're like, I need these numbers because this is it. Like this will solve all of my problems. It's embarrassing to say the least, but part of growing up-ish. So many of those 90s movies that, that have this encounter, it seems magical on screen, and all of a sudden it's like, ah, and then this guy or girl or whatever the girl's doing the flipping is like, what's your sign? And it's just like, uh-uh, wink, wink, shoulder, shoulder, nudge, right? And it's like this thing that if you say the magic word, all of the stars have aligned, and we know this is going to be a happy ending. But then really, when we think about all of these things, we set ourselves up for unrealistic goals. Our text for today comes from Isaiah found in chapter 44, verses 24 and 25. So I invite you to open up your Bible that you have on your app, in your pew, in your purse, in your whatever you have that I know you have access to. Um, join me as we look at Isaiah, a prophet of the Old Testament. We're in chapter 44, and we'll be looking at verses 24 and 25. Isaiah 44 24 says, thus says the Lord, your redeemer, who formed you in the womb. Stop right there. Like that's a beautiful sentence. Whatever comes next, I'm okay with. I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who by myself spread out the earth. I am the Lord who frustrates the omens of liars and makes fools of diviners, who turns back the wise and makes their knowledge foolish. We set up the context for Isaiah, a prophet in the time of Israel and Judah, where their lives were in utter chaos, in peril and despair. The people of God in these spaces that 
Isaiah is ministering to and prophesying over are experiencing devastation. Judah and Israel are in a time of great financial and material prosperity. So what that means for their spiritual lives naturally is that it's on the decline. This time that we find this text, Isaiah's ministry, is in a time when politicians were out for purely selfish political gain. Justice was just a thing that you thought about if it was convenient or if you had the time to give a second glance. Isaiah lived in a time when the rich became richer and the poor became poorer. Greed, selfishness, and cruelty ruled their day. And so because of this, many people, God's people, resented God. In their desperation, they looked elsewhere, anywhere else, because as they understand their world in peril and broken, they said, where is God in the midst of my suffering? And so with them, we get the words of a prophet who stayed true to God, who said, remember the Lord, your God, the one who formed you in the womb. The one who stretched out the heavens, who by himself spread out the, word, the world. The one who frustrates the omens of liars, makes fools of diviners who turn back the wise, and makes their knowledge foolish. Because if Christ is your true center, then anything anyone says outside of God's will will prove itself wrong if you just let it do its course. And so there are those who simply looked elsewhere and forgot about God, and there were those who clung to religion on the outside, but they didn't know anything of its actual true meaning and power. This is the context that our Adventist commentary sets up as we understand the world of Isaiah and the words that he is writing to a people that he longs for. Remember our God. We have lost our way. It's interesting because if I hadn't had said this is the context that our Bible commentary sets up for Isaiah, you would have thought I was talking about yesterday. What an interesting time to have been alive. But what an interesting time to be alive. You turn on the news and it's disaster after disaster. We literally cannot go one week without seeing destruction, pain, and fear in the lives of people we know, let alone outside of our circles. If you don't see this as a wake-up call, friends, then I don't know what to do with this devastation. There is an evil in this world. There is a pain in this world, and it is so easy to become overwhelmed. Just like the setting of Isaiah, we live in a time where many people are after material wealth and property. It is a time where our leaders and politicians are out for pure political gain. This kind of world gets overwhelming. We begin to resent God. Where are you? Mexico happened just a number of weeks ago, and we're now on Redwood Academy. We've forgotten. 
And sometimes we in and of ourselves become so desperate to understand and make sense of this world that is broken. We need some kind of intervention. So we look for any alternatives that will help us. Any sense that we can understand what is going on. But here's what the prophet told his people then, and here is what I think God is telling us now. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you in the womb, I am the Lord who made all things. The one who alone stretched out the heavens, who by myself spread out the earth. I am the one that frustrates all of those who accuse me. I am the one who frustrates those who are working hard against you. God, the one who makes fools of people who are pulling out this fake wisdom from every which direction. People who are using a practice of accessing spiritual natural things to predict the future or answer difficult questions. Our society makes horror movie after horror movie and sci-fi movie after sci-fi movie for mere entertainment. Occult images are used on graphic t-shirts as just decoration. And yet we walk around with these things that tell us that we are not letting God rule our universe. I remember when I was at camp this past summer, little boys were talking about the latest Lego piece in their collection. And lo and behold, one of them brought one out of the cabin and had it while they were doing their activities. And so as we were walking from the activity to the cafeteria for lunch, one of the little boys pulls on my shirt, Pastor Kayla, guess what I have? What, do, what have you got? in your pocket over there that you're hiding. You know that Lego that we've been talking about? Yeah, here it is. And as he goes to show me, it falls and lands in one of the little divots of the cement, scratches his Lego, and he is visibly upset. And as he goes down to pick up his toy, he immediately looks up and he goes, Pastor Kayla, but did I step on the crack? And I was like, I don't know. No. And he goes, okay, good. Because you know what happens when you step on the crack, right? In my head, I'm ready. I've said this in my head since I was a teenager. Don't step on the crack because you'll break your mama's back. And this is what he said. He said, I didn't step on the crack, right? No. What would happen if you did that? I would have bad luck for 40 years. And I was like, oh, wow, we have changed the sayings quite dramatically. But it was an interesting thing that I didn't think of then, but something that I wish I would have spoken into in that situation. No, that's not true. That's not how our world works. None of that. MASH is not going to tell you that I'm going to marry Brad Pitt. Like, that's, it's not going to happen. So, we may or may not have been engaged in some of these fun things. We may or may not have seen 
some of these things happen, that people actually believe that the stars need to be a certain way so that on that day at 6.04 and 32 seconds, like the person who walks in the door in the restaurant is my soulmate. Like that's what my horoscope has told me. Whether we're engaged in this or not, this is a kind of world that we are living in. Maybe it's the control that people need that prevents complete surrender to God. Maybe it's the pressure and the stress and the frustrations of nothing going right in your life. These evils that make us question the goodness of God. And we ask, where are you in the middle of all of this? And we jump down this rabbit hole sometimes and we forget about Jesus. We lose sight of the fact that we have this relationship that we should not have with the divine. We are not worthy of that relationship. But that is the kind of God that we serve. That is the kind of God that created us. That said, you, I want you. And you are part of my story. In this series that we have been in for a few weeks now, you will notice that we have been mirroring the topics that we've been talking about in Connected Life. The Dark Side is the name of this series, this conversation. If you have engaged or if you haven't engaged in those spaces, we are also having that conversation here. This series, this idea, this theme talks about the darkness of our world and it's overwhelming. We sit here today in the words of Isaiah, the book known as a messianic prophet. We know that Jesus read the scroll of Isaiah when he was worshiping at the temple. If you will turn with me to Luke 4.18. This is Jesus worshiping, reading the scroll of Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery to the side of the blind, and to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the God's favor. And if you stay in Luke for just a moment, a few verses later on, in my Bible, there's a heading at 31, it says the man with an unclean spirit. So we'll read this story of Jesus as we encounter more Jesus and give us more insight to the kind of God that created us. Verse 31 in Luke 4. He went down to Capernaum, a city in Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. They were astounded at his teaching because he spoke with authority. In the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out in a loud voice, Let us alone! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. When the demon had thrown him down before them, he came out of him without having done him any harm. They were all amazed and kept saying to one another, What kind of utterance is this? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits out, and they come. And a report about him began to reach every place in this region. It's interesting, we can get overwhelming about all of these demon stories that we are reading. But the stories here in the Bible are not for us to focus on that, it's to focus on the Jesus that commands them. 
It's for us to understand that no matter what evil force comes our way, our Jesus, our God, is still almighty over that. And so if you are scared today, friends, that's what Jesus is here to bring you, hope. It can be dragged down and devastating, but Jesus is hope. Our Bibles tell us later a few chapters, 11 in Luke, we are light. Our bodies are light. And in John, we read that perfect love casts out fear, casts out darkness. So for people who dabble with these things that need not be dabbled with, we need to remember our reality. Our claim that God is enough. We are no longer going to be the people that Isaiah talks about in this broken world who are devastated and are turning to every which direction except up to God. That is not our story, friends. Our story with this dark side series is to say there is a dark side and you are the light. Because you have the light in you, you become light to this world. Our claim that God is enough, God our creator that gave us life in Jesus. There are opportunities for us to get caught up in demons, in spirits, in psychic readings or in horoscopes. They're there. But we have a testimony. We have the written word of our Savior. Our God gives us grace daily. He forgives us and gives us redemption daily. Salvation comes to each and every one of us daily. We have to strive for hope to be a different kind of people than the ones of Isaiah's culture. So that when we read these words, we know that we've rewritten a different ending. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who by myself spread out the earth, who frustrates the omens of liars and makes fools of diviners, who turn back the wise and make their knowledge foolish. That is the kind of God that we have access to. That is the kind of God that we are privileged to know. We have to try to be a different kind of people than the one that our world is trying to create. And it will be hard because if it's for God, then the world will hate it. Just like Jesus was God and the world hated him. So we are signing up for something, friends, that we know is difficult. We are choosing daily to be on this battleground, to walk into the darkness and to be a light. We dream of a church for a new future. If you look at your bulletin, you'll see it. It's right there, right at the top. We have this grand dream that generations after us, till kingdom come, will be captured and will be captivated by Jesus. We want people's hearts and we want their imaginations because it's your friends, your family, your neighbors, and whoever else you're connected to that don't come to worship any day of the week, that they have looked to every other place 
besides God. Sometimes I wonder, though, if young high school people, young college people, young professionals walk away from our communities because they haven't had a true experience with Jesus. If they haven't been truly transformed by the gift of grace that God gives us. And it's not just that one time at camp or at school that every day we have the opportunity to be transformed and used. And if it's not something that somebody is willing to do, then we have not captured their hearts or their imaginations quite well enough yet. So today my challenge is for you to think about what your relationship with Christ looks like. Because people know him. They have the stories and they can read it and they can access it. But to, to know in intellect is not enough. You have to know in personal relationship. We are after transformational stories and experiences in this place. And so we dream and we imagine what that looks like. We're here for creating a future, creating a space, creating an environment, the kind of community that worships every moment of their life, not just on those Saturdays that they come into this space. So I am grateful for a community that says, we have intentionally decided to create small groups where young people like me get to sit in the presence of your light. And so that when you give your light away, it is not you diminishing your power. It is you combining lights that will shine brighter than you have ever imagined. We are blessed in order to be a blessing. We are a new church for a new future, not just to be a different kind of space, but to be the kind of people that God uses on the daily. We are not the literal Israel anymore, but that's not what we have to worry about. We are the prophetic Israel. We are the spiritual Israel. We have been blessed. God has given us a gift. It's our job and it's our mandate to share this blessing. But to be honest, I think we've been hoarding it a little too closely. What does it look like to capture the hearts and the imaginations of the people in your circles? In the name of Jesus, it takes time. It takes intentionality. It takes deep relationship, prayer. It takes everyone, and that is an act of worship. We dream of a church that boldly moves where the Holy Spirit leads us. My friends, the Spirit is alive and well. We could not have asked for this series to come at a time where week after week we have had devastation. We could not have planned this any better. Our Bible study that we follow has had three years out planned, and it's here. And if that's prophetic, I don't know what is. We are a community that believes in prophecy. We are a community that holds true to that. And so here we are. Let's talk about the dark side, but only because we are on the side of the victorious. We talk about the dark side only because we know that there is a light that will outshine whatever it is that we have to say. 
hurricane after hurricane, fire after fire, homicide after homicide, and we already forgot about the earthquake. In the midst of all of this, each and every one of us have a purpose. In the midst of all of this, each and every one of us have a mission. So when people don't ask you this because it's not a thing anymore, what is your sign? Like, that's not the thing. I hope that you can translate that into the different spaces that you do encounter. And I will invite the worship team to come on up. What is your sign is not about what horoscope you have. It's about who are you letting run your universe? Is it about God? Is it about the cross being the center of your life? My sign is Jesus. Your sign is the cross. We have Christ in us and we are indeed equipped. Friends, the world is dark and it is hard. We are afraid, but we have light. We have our prayers, we have our praise. We were chosen to be on the winning side. And you have an opportunity to continue to write that story. So my hope for us today is that we spread some light this Sabbath. Instead of your Sabbath nap or in the company of the people that you are with, be a blessing. You have been called, you have been here, you have been blessed because you get to proclaim the name of Jesus. And so on behalf of somebody else, that is our mandate. Be blessed to be a blessing. May we be the hands and the feet of Christ in this world. May this world no longer understand devastation the way that it currently does because we have some hope to offer it. May Jesus be the sign of your life. May your life be the sign of Jesus. And may the world be able to see our light shining together in this darkness. Amen.